Salutations, listeners. Sivalas Valeo. Vala Magulis. Nanu Nanu. Or as Mark would say, He is Mr. Pig. Some call him that. Call him that. When you see him, call him Mr. Pig. Thank you for tuning in. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Alpier. I'm Timothy Magic. I'm stuck in the attic. Why am I not in the basement? Oh, no. He's locked up with Drake. In this podcast, we review movies and we deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wide world of cinema. Uh, In this podcast, we try to target movies that are not absolute blockbuster smashes, not so obscure that you couldn't get your hands on a copy if you wanted to, but instead, we like to aim for that delightful sweet spot of movies right in the middle. Uh, We try and target those movies that, in our experience, too few people have seen, uh, people may have only heard of, and uh, ones that maybe you've seen but you've forgotten about and deserve another watch. Uh, we review them and we deliver to you our take on whether or not they're worth uh, digging out of the attic where Tim is locked up, uh, or the basement where he should be locked up, or uh, maybe maybe a family video or a, a, a good old-fashioned blockbuster video. I think there's one of those left in the United States. <laughs> What's a blockbuster? <laughs> it is, um, I believe, a kind of cake. I always thought it was a pyrotechnic. Could be. Could be. Uh, dig them out of one of those lovely places and then go and watch it. We try and figure out that for you. In this, the 11th episode of the podcast, we reviewed the movie Awakenings. Yeah. Okay, so Awakenings. Any, like, top notes before we hit some IMDb specs on this movie? Um. Well, yeah, for, for me... This was a pretty powerful movie. I think that there were some pacing issues, and I think there are some fair criticisms of it. Um, but overall, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Tim, I know you had different thoughts. Uh, let's hear them. Uh, yes. Uh, well, not all on, of them. Hey, we, hey, we, hey. we got to save some for oh, them. Save for some the for the meat of the, <laughs> meat of the episode. We can't, we can't These are top notes, friends. Yeah, yeah, this is top, of your opinion. Top, top note, very engaged in it, and uh, would recommend watching... Some of this movie. Uh, but be ready for, again, like Mark said, pacing issues. But we will delve into that a little bit later in the spoilers territory. Yep. So so this movie, it starred uh, Robert De Niro uh, and Robin Williams. Or maybe I should have flipped that around. Robin Williams Robbie. and Robert De Niro. Robbie, Robbie. Um, and, uh, and, a, and a few others. Um, but I, I felt like their performances were were pretty spot mm-hmm. on. They were they're, they're the... Uh, uh, titular characters on the uh, cover of the art, and I'm sure on the IMDb page as well. Uh, so just get ready for uh, their performances. Not bad, but again, we're going to delve into that a little bit later. Nice. So, Colin, hit us with the specs. So a little hint of things to come. Uh, right now, we're going to dip our toe with some IMDb specs. Awakenings, 1990. Uh, that was a good mm-hmm. year. That was yeah. a good year. Good uh, year for cinema. Yeah. yeah, the the Berlin Wall had come down a year before. I was uh, two years old. That's oh a gosh. big deal. <laughs> you guys realize that they're like we're like thirty years into the end of the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. Sure East are. and West Germany coming we, together. I think we had an anniversary recently. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. So this movie rated PG thirteen, uh, two hours and one minute, and uh, biography drama. It's got it listed as for the genres, mm. biography. Uh, so I'm going to jump right in and say, like, 
I feel like biography in the same way that was it Citizen X they listed as biography yeah, and crime drama. Yeah. Crime, yeah, and I, I, I don't. I felt some tones with that too. Yeah, it's like I don't know if I would call this a biography necessarily. Yeah. it is a true story though, and I mm-hmm. feel like that's why biography is listed. We, I, well, the, the story is true. The narrative probably not so much. Right. Yeah, just just like I, I think we went in uh, as we were plunging into, into Citizen X. Just so like uh, for listeners at home, if you're plunging into uh, Awakenings, take it with a grain of salt that it is going to be a flare for the theatric. Just like with Patch Adams, a, a, a another medical drama that um, Robin Williams also starred in. Yeah, I I also agree that I think there was a sort of like. There was probably a lot of artistic license taken, mm-hmm. but as a viewer, I am not entirely sure when that started and ended, and I think that's like, that's usually a pretty good thing. Like, if it's not like, oh, well, obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so at least it was, it was you know, needed pretty seamlessly into the, into the narrative. Uh, IMDb has the description as such. The victims of an encephalitis epidemic many years ago have been catatonic ever since, but now a new drug offers the prospect of reviving them. Yeah. All right. It, Again, uh, Colin, okay. I asked you. I asked you to spell this out for me while we were watching the film. Please spell it out uh, for the listeners at home with that Latin terminology. Encephalitis. Yeah. So encephalitis is uh, basically like a um, inflammation or infection in the brain you know i'm not a doctor so um i'm probably going to be getting an email from <laughs> a couple of doctors from a couple of doctors we got a lot of doctors there's so many doctors listening to this podcast thanks dr low <laughs> yeah probably going to be getting an email from our money buddy of mine who's in medical school and he's going to be like listen listen friend hey buddy uh, but yeah it's basically a uh an inflammation or an infection in your brain as you can imagine that can cause pretty severe damage um, we just had a sweep of, uh, Eastern equine encephalitis in, uh, uh, Michigan here not so long ago. Mm. It can be caused by a lot of different things. Uh, I think from what I understand of the original, uh, issue that was plaguing these people, a lot of it was, uh, the result of one common virus that sort of, um, got them all and caused this issue. Um, and then there was sort of a post encephalitic period that caused this to happen yeah sort of post malone came along and he laid down some sick rhymes yeah post malone he was very involved in this no No, uh i i think we should probably be careful about straying into the 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 medical presentation of this movie because none of us really have any idea we're no we're no experts again we're we're the three schmucks in the basement (laughs) so we we briefly touched on some of the uh some of the the main stars uh, was there anyone else of note other than um, Mr. Williams and uh, De Niro? The Robbies. So, yeah, so we do have... The uh, Robbies. <laughs> De Niro and Williams, classic. We do have... I'm going to hit you with a, a few quick ones here. We got John Hurd, who uh, played the mm. father in Home Alone, if you're familiar with uh, that little number. Uh, Alice Just Drummond. Sequel. Just the sequel. Just the sequel. The oh. I'm Peter McAllister. <laughs> the father. <laughs> Sorry. You got Alice Drummond, who uh, played Ray Finkel's mother in the original Ace Ventura movie. No, uh, just know the sequel to that one, too. Oh, man. Weird. She, she turns, Weird. Around, turns around with a tray full of cookies with laces out and says, That Dan Marino should burn in hell, or some fucking version of that. 
Nope, don't know it. <laughs> Judith uh, Malina, Malina. What sequel is she in? Uh, she, actually, she is not in a sequel. She's oh, in the no! original Adam Family movie as the the grandmother. Oh sh- shit! I just know. I oh, just yeah. know I val- val- Family values. So just, basically, uh, and, a lot of people that you oh, no. recognize, but they're kind of almost deep cuts in that they're not household names. No, yeah. but we do have Wait, but the, the resurgence yes. of. Max von Sydow. Yes. Uh, so if you if you listen to our Citizen X episode, mm-hmm. Max von Sydow was in that. He's in this. Pretty He's amazing. Doctor as well. Uh, a psychiatrist yeah. as well. Ma- right? uh, Mark, I think you pointed out uh, Game of Thrones as oh, one of uh, Max Raven. von Sydow's callouts. Yep. Yep. Oh no! What's the sequel to Game of Thrones? Because that's all I know about. It. Has it come out yet? We'll wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wait and see. <laughs> oh goodness! Game of Thrones, the brother co- of dragons, the college Ooh. years. <laughs> Brand <laughs> no. goes through puberty. <laughs> oh, good. I wouldn't watch that. We do have no uh, this would. movie was directed by Penny Marshall. Yes. So kind of a heavy hitter, Laverne and Shirley, mm-hmm. Big, uh, oh, A yeah. League of Their Own. You know what? Speaking yeah. of Big, I love again, League of Their Own. We should watch that on this podcast. <laughs> speaking of Big, I know we're, we're not really in spoiler territory, but this movie there were there were notes of of that movie in this. I, I felt there were some elements that were pretty prominent in the movie Big with Tom Hanks mm-hmm. that were also showcased here. There were um, rumblings. Yeah, that I, I appreciate. Little ripples. Yeah. I don't. I assume Big came out after Awakenings I think did. Big but was what ninety three. No, Big was eighties. Was, was Big eighties? Yeah, Big was I think like eighty five or something. Let me try and I'm gonna try and dig that dig that out. We're gonna here do that quick. deep cut here real quick. 88. Okay. 1988. Two years prior to this. Hook up your Atari, nerds. Yes. I guess we can hook up our Ataris and drink some tab. Yeah, so kind of transitioning away from IMDb. Yeah. Recommendations. Recommendations. How do we feel about this? Okay. I would recommend this movie in a way that maybe I haven't other other movies it's it's not super exciting it's not super funny but I enjoyed it I felt like it was a pretty powerful movie to me um, I likely won't watch it again but um, I'm, I'm very thankful to have seen it probably until you come over to my house and I twist your arm and I'm like let's watch Awakenings, Awakenings again one more time. Like, oh, okay. let's go <laughs> some beers and watch Awakenings you know maybe not but no I, I would recommend this movie Mr. Tim Alright, Mr. Mark and Mr. Colin, no, I would not recommend this movie. I think it's just too out of the norm for uh, people expecting to see a, um, a Robin Williams film, a Robert De Niro film. The Robs, they deliver very, very good performances, but after the first third of the movie, no, can't recommend it. It just drags too long. You can watch the first third of it. If it's on TV, cool. Awesome. Go ahead and get a snack, uh, get a soda, <laughs> beer, whatever. Um, after after the first third, though, you're done. You're you're ready. Hmm. It's fine. <laughs> I I look forward to unpacking that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what about you, Colin? Uh, yes, I do recommend this movie. I think this movie is super powerful. Uh, it's really... It's interesting in that it's it's a true story, and it sort of shows this really interesting kind of cross-section where science was bleeding really heavily into into medical research, and they were really trying to, um, I guess, put down roots as far as, like, how they conducted things like human trials and stuff like that. 
but at the same time, it was still a little bit the Wild West where you could just sort of, you know, get things done and do... Do just any stuff. milligrams of medication kind, you want to put to, you want to pump into somebody. Um, yeah, I do. I do agree. Tim had sort of mentioned that, like, if you're looking for Robin Williams or De Niro, uh, this these this is not the standard role for either of them. So, like, don't expect the genie from Aladdin, and don't expect you know De Niro from like Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. But I think there were hints of Robert De Niro from Goodfellas. Y- yeah, little little slices of it. Yeah, that's just there? One scene that we'll that we'll unpack here again. Okay. Actually, this is scene yeah. Scene sixty three. Okay. Sixty three F. Okay. We'll yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, that pretty much continued. Sixty three F through sixty three L was that was pretty convincingly De Niro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but this definitely um, the performances of both of them were were outstanding, and I would definitely recommend this movie um, again with the caveat of. It's a little slower because it's a true story. Most true stories are. And um, it is the kind of thing where if you're the kind of person who is really into Michael Bay and you want explosions every 30 seconds, like, this isn't your movie. There are no cars (laughs) that turn into robots. Very few, at least. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But again, if you're going in, if you look at the cover of Awakenings and you're going in there expecting that, then shame on you. (laughs) I wouldn't even call this Diet Bay. (laughs) <laughs> so, shame on shame on you diet bay zero light <laughs> if you're going into awakenings expecting that shame on you otherwise then yeah i totally recommend it <laughs> you this, asshole this is the caffeine free diet pepsi yeah. of michael bay movies <laughs> all right so we got we, <laughs> we got a he's not even have touched this in any second well that's why i, I said caffeine free uh you know diet <laughs> Michael Bay Free Awakenings. Oh, wow. Caffeine Free, but not El Topo. Hey, these catatonic patients <laughs> are pretty boring. How about if we took them to Alcatraz and blew them up? Wait, 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 what? Tim what? is looking for anything to entertain himself. He didn't like it. Okay. Uh, so we got a two-thirds on that. It's called The Rock. Yeah. It's a movie in the Criterion Collection, you savages. So this, is, this isn't the first time, but um, I, I think this is, it's kind of unique in that we don't all uh, recommend it. No, uh, yeah, um, I don't think we all recommended 1408. Yeah, and that was one I, I was that thinking. Was, again, that was me. <laughs> again, I'm the odd man out. Oh. I'm trying to color you with a highlighter. Uh, no, <laughs> it's my scarlet letter to bear. <laughs> you seem um, fine about it, though. I'm, I'm totally fine about it. And I also don't... I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and then there was also... Um, I don't think everybody recommended... Did we all recommend Mystery Men or Evolution? Oh, we better of. Uh, yeah, that's uh, them's as fighting words. I get uh, real testy when you start <laughs> questioning those movies. I know, I know, this is not the first. Mark's popping a boner right now. Oh. <laughs> An anger boner. That's. I wouldn't describe it like that, but sure. <laughs> all right. There's you're, gotta be. There's gotta be another your one. Call, where, man. There's got. Um, Colin, did you recommend It Follows? I forget. Oh, yeah. yeah. You totally. did recommend uh, yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Oh, shoot. Because that was the other one. I, I mean, all of these movies are coming out of my collection, so I'm definitely right. going to be, like, on the recommend really, side yeah. a lot more than the non-recommend it's side. It's really hard However, to Colin against this. D- to, but to be fair, like, I think they all genuinely are, like, worth yeah. recommending. Okay. Um, it's like you own them. So, <laughs> uh, are we ready for the spoiler tattoo? Yes. I think so. Um, I would like to offer up a casual blah, 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 blah. Uh, do you guys... Okay, we're going to drop some money. We're going to drop some big money on this. You guys ready for it? 
We, we've got a treat for you. We spent the big bucks. When I looked over at you, I didn't think you were going to pull your phone uh, out. But. I am definitely not <laughs> stalling for time. No, um, not at all. But here you go, everybody. Worth and it. they're <laughs> worth it. I was gonna. I was about to say there 100%. goes our budget, but we're 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 in debt now. Oh no! So, uh, oh no! We, we are in debtor's prison. So uh, let's spoil this. Let's bad let's jump. Negative eight billion dollars. <laughs> how? Uh, let's what, jump into deep personal overview. What, what is personal the, overview? Uh, what is the the time frame? This is what the um. Yeah. So this movie this movie opens sometime in the 1920s. I want to say it was like 1927, yeah. 1929, something like that. So, yeah. And basically, uh, what you've got is a young man in Brooklyn. And defacing a bench. Oh yeah, he's he's carving his name into it. True story. And you call him a young man. These are boys. These are like mm-hmm. you know eleven year olds. What so a true. raging bull that kid is. Yeah, he was a he was a young boy. It progresses pretty quickly. Where basically he's playing with his friends and he starts to undergo basically like a small sort of tremor or seizure. Um, his hands probably, start shaking. He probably got uh, tinkled by stardust. Could be. Again, I'm naming Robert. Yeah, you're De Niro really going running down the Robert yeah. De Niro list here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he was hand, a pretty good fella. Anyway, yeah, it, I'm it, just trying. I'm trying to <laughs> exhaust them all yeah, so yeah. we can move on. <laughs> Let me go. Uh, Hang on. One more thing on IMDb so, here. Uh, it ends up progressing, and it, it sort of like shows him and his mother. He's in his room, and and basically it jumps forward to 1969. Mm-hmm. We're in 1969. Summer of love. Pretty much, and Robin Williams pulls up at this, what do they call it, a chronic institution? Basically, Mm -hmm. uh, an institute for anybody who is going to be a chronic patient, so this is is frequently psychiatry cases and frequently neurology cases, but not exclusively. Well, it opens up, it's it's a job interview, and he's a neurologist, or he's a doctor who who handles... um, not neurological. He's like a neurological researcher. Researcher, I think, is a yeah. good word for yeah. him too. Yeah. He, he's not a medical doctor. He doesn't have any real like experience with patients. No he's, clinical experience whatsoever. So he, he spent. This is funny too. It leads into a, a quote that that I have for later. But um, he said he he spent um, five years uh, trying to extract a certain chemical out of um, the the brains of like earthworms. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that, that just kind of shows what <laughs> kind of person he is. You know, he's... he's very not... meticulous. Very pedantic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think it, it credits that this is why I love the first third of this movie because it's it sets it up very much like the first act of uh, Citizen X where it's showing us uh, the meticulous nature of our protagonist. It's not telling us. Yeah, it's show, not it's tell. Fan- yeah, for it's sure. It's fantastic in the first third. It, it mirrors that with Citizen X, which I love so much. Yep. So basically, um, Robin Williams is at this new facility. It's uh, the facility's not new. He's new to the facility, mm-hmm. and he starts noticing that there's a uh, uh, quite a few patients that are sort of exhibiting the same symptoms. And in a sort of early establishing scene, there's a patient that gets wheeled in, and he ends up like trying to communicate with her. She is fully catatonic, unresponsive. He ends up kind of in a defeated move, taking her glasses off and polishing them. And then he ends up putting her back, putting them back on her face. And then basically he turns his back. And when he turns back around, she is sort of leaned over in the wheelchair, 
holding her glasses in her hand. And this kicks off what is essentially a montage of Robin Williams realizing that both these patients are connected and also one of the things that tends to connect them is they respond to sort of like rapid stimuli. So uh, you throw a ball at them, they tend to catch it, but they will genuinely sit there completely unresponsive for days, weeks, months, years. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, some of them have been in there yeah. 40 years, you know? Mm. And so he ends up basically identifying this pattern and trying to piece together why this is happening and ends up meeting this patient named Leonard, who just happens to be the young man from the very beginning of the film. And he gets this idea that maybe... Well, should we talk about his, his experience with the the person who first described this? Um, are you talking um, Max von Sydow's character? Yeah. Or... Yeah, no, he... I think the the first patient that you were talking about the 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 lady with the glasses that's that was really kind of the catalyst for him exploring the idea that they weren't just um, and this is I don't mean this to be offensive but but vegetables basically mm. you know he he tosses her glasses to her and she's able to catch them and there's there's a bit where he's having a conversation with another doctor and the doctor kind of dismisses that and he says it's just a reflex he says well if she batted away, if she batted it away, I would have called it a reflex, but she, she caught it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you said it's vegetables. A yeah, it's a conscious uh, act. Like, his first day, he's sort of getting toured around the facility, and one of the guys that's sort of touring him around says, they call this place the garden, and he asks why. And the guy says, because all we do is feed and water them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it really illustrates, like, sort of what he was up against, yeah. like, what the perception of these people was like he yeah. was he was basically trying to convince In the 1960s 1970s yeah yeah he's basically trying to convince mm-hmm. an entire group of people doctors nurses techs caretakers he's trying to convince them mm-hmm. that these people are are not vegetables that they're actually mm-hmm. as terrible as it sounds sort of imprisoned in their own mind mm-hmm. there's something there's something there there's something behind the eye still yep yeah yep and it, it's a it's a terrifying idea to explore. But but like you were saying, he meets up with Robert De Niro's character, Leonard, or meet up, maybe that's the wrong word, but Leonard is, is one of the patients that is admitted to the hospital. And he ends up kind of taking an interest in Leonard. I, I don't recall what, what the, the impetus for that was, but I, I think it was just kind of happenstance that like... I think part of it may have been Leonard's mother. Like Leonard actually had somebody who's still like came to see him, take, came to take care of him. Everybody else had ostensibly been abandoned. Yeah. And they were in this facility all by themselves. Leonard still had his mother, and I think... It was a source of information. I think that's what it was, exactly. Robin Williams really, like, his character really latched onto the mother and was like, I need to know how this progressed. And what was sort of, like, interesting is, like, basically everybody had been diagnosed with something different but similar. And he's like, no, they're all... Pretty much the same, and he sort of started farming <laughs> Leonard's mother for information, and she was describing sort of how it progressed, how the illness progressed, and how it started with sort of tremors that sort of mimicked, I guess the it, it sort of mimicked Parkinson's. Yeah, it sort of mimicked the the symptoms of Parkinson's, yeah. and as it progressed, it got worse and worse, and it, eventually he became fully catatonic. And it sort of planted that seed in Robin Williams' mind that maybe what causes Parkinson's 
is what's causing this same issue um, in all of these people. Yeah, there's that bit where he's talking about, you know, have a tremor in your hand, you have a tick in your in your head, you know, and all of these things just kind of, you know, uh, you know, played out to their extreme, cancel each other out, and you're left with just this canatotic state. You know, he kind of described it in a way, you know, with all this frenetic energy going on with your um, with your, your motor, motor fa- faculties, you know, and how if they were all kind of, um, happening at the same time, it would just kind of short the person out. Yeah, like what, whatever causes a, a tremor, what if that the thing that caused it just never stopped? Yeah. And you'd basically just be stuck. And he heard about this medication called L-Dopa. L, like the letter L, not like the Spanish the. And L-Dopa was a sort of new, uh, let's I want to say miracle drug, but maybe that's a bit strong. It was a very promising drug for treating Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. and it had been shown to drastically reduce the amount of tremors. Um, It's a synthetic form of dopamine, and one of the things that is common amongst medical conditions that present with tremors is low levels of dopamine. So the synthetic form of dopamine basically is supposed to sort of calm or eliminate tremors. And he basically had to convince the medical board at this hospital to let him administer this synthetic dopamine to his patients in hopes that it would do something. He honestly didn't even know what it was going to do. There's a very powerful scene where he's with Leonard's mother and she's like, well, what is it going to do? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, well, what do you think it's going to do? He's like, I, I honestly don't know. It could, it could do nothing. And she's, she basically like pinned him down. And she's like, what do you hope it will do? And he's like, I hope it'll basically bring them back where for from wherever they are yeah and he's very much alone in this he goes to a lecture by the one of the guys who would help develop this l-dopa and he's, he's super excited about it. He's super. He he interrupts the lecture at one point and kind of gets shut down. And then he he corners what this you guy. What you do in medical? Yeah, <laughs> he he corners this guy in the bathroom. You know, and the guy's like, "You talking to me?" You know, because uh, he's he's at the urinal. Um, and he's he's asking him all these questions. He says, "You know, what if somebody presented with this? And you know, do you feel it would have any kind of effect?" And and the guy just kind of shrugs and says, "You know, I'm I'm just a chemist. You know, you're the physician. You're the one that does the damage." You know, and just yeah. kind of walks out of the room. Yeah. So Robin Williams is very much, you know, a man on an island with uh, with a theory that he believes he's got decent standing in and, and he kind of moves forward with it. And you know what's actually, it's so funny that you say like he's, he's sort of like alone and on an island because I didn't put this together until right now. But there is a scene where, uh, suffice to say, the people in this state can actually sort of come out of it briefly, just for like flashes in certain instances if something brings them out of it. So like we talked about like catching the ball, like there's a, a, a an instance where like they're awake and they can catch the ball. Music can bring them out of it and human touch can bring them out of it. And one of the things that can sort of bring them out of it like I said, it's human touch. And so he started working with Leonard before he had given him this medication with a Ouija board. And he ended up spelling out this name that was like, I mean, I don't know how he pieced it together. but Let's clarify for, for a quick second. though. He's using a Ouija board, but he's just trying to use it as a tool so that Leonard can communicate non-verbally. Uh, this there's clearly oh yeah no he's no not supernatural he's not like <laughs> this is just a board with channeling a 19th century yeah. like victorian clarify. child like it's, <laughs> a, it's an official hasbro 
<laughs> TM. Yeah. But, sorry, I, I, I cut board. off your... No, yeah, How no, totally. Dare you? How dare you use any off-brand Ouija boards? <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically... Um, bastards. <laughs> uh, trying to use this as a communication tool, and Leonard ends up spelling out uh, this thing, and Robin Williams' character has to decipher it. And when he deciphers it, he ends up basically stumbling across this poet, and this specific poem by a poet, and there's a scene that is just crushing where he's it's sort of voiced over by Williams reading this poem and the poem is about what do you want to say incarceration mm-hmm. um it's it's about basically being in a metaphorical prison and it's very clearly about Leonard being in a prison of his own mind and I didn't make the connection until you spoke about Robin Williams being on his own but that's very much him too mm-hmm. he's in a prison of his own mind he's in a prison of his own anxiety well yeah he he mentions uh you know i think probably more than once he's he's not good with people you know he's a numbers guy he he has goals he has a, a vision um, and that vision changes throughout his life but it never includes another human being he, he just about shit his pants in the interview when they were like You've never worked with other people? This job involves yeah. other people. He's like about to walk out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he he mentioned at one point, you know, he would like people more if they were more predictable, you know, and I think that 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 is his life. He likes to he likes order. He likes to be alone because he can he can create his no his own world that way. Um, and other people are are messy and, you know, unpredictable. Yeah. So yeah, he he's very much alone. Um, De Niro is is very much alone in his in his condition. But I'll, I'll have the, I have the I have to critique this a little bit. No one's ever cold in their aloneness. It's like it's always so sympathetic that uh, Williams or De Niro is alone. That's true. Like they we're fawning for them to be uh, cared for or accepted. And it's never pays off. Nothing ever pays off in this movie. So that's a that's a critique. I, I disagree. Have to... I I disagree. I think that that Williams alone, his mm. character does get some payoff in the end, and I think we'll we'll cover that. But I see what you're oh, saying wait, with the nurse. With the nurse. Yeah. No. I mean, he he opens that's up nothing. a little that's bit. F- flab. Well, clearly you have a different opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's bullshit, and you know it. But I I will agree with the with the criticism that. Um, I think that people who are stuck in isolation, and I guess, you know what, I'm saying this, but I'm starting to like find holes in it. De Niro's character does exhibit this, but when you're alone, you develop, along with those anxieties, is um, some uh, resentment towards the world because they don't fit your your reality that, that you've striven so steadfastly to, 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 to create. Um, he is very likable in his curmudgeonness and maybe that is not necessarily realistic um, robin williams yeah yeah i think that a, a recluse in mm. the way that that you kind of see they they may not have the same heart that he shows mm-hmm. and that was probably for the purpose of the of the narrative of the movie and maybe didn't serve reality i, I don't know fair yeah that's fair that's so. fair interpretation um let's, but let's... I, I think that's another good example of like sort of the artistic license that they took where it's like i don't know if he was genuinely like this and if he was that's really cool and like it makes sort of his relationship that ultimately blossoms that much 
uh, more meaningful and it, it makes, you know, the his interaction with his patients that much more rich. And yeah. and if we, if we frame it through the lens of artistic license and for the, the purpose of it serving the narrative, I can be on, all on board with it. Um, but if we're, I think if we're trying to be factual with it, um, that again, it, it, it serves the purpose and I think it makes for a better uh, piece of cinema uh, for him to be likable. But you, there is a little bit of a suspension of, of uh, belief there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fair criticism. I think if you, if you dig into it a little bit, I don't know. Let's continue. Cause there's, there's still a lot to unpack. Yeah, there is, there really is. So basically what ends up happening is, uh, after identifying sort of all of these ways for um, these people to communicate outside of uh, their catatonic states, he ends up getting uh, permission to administer L-Dopa to one of his patients, Leonard, played by Robert De Niro. Permission, use that word loosely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ends up fighting and and ultimately convincing his chief of medicine. And then going behind their back and, you know, what, like, Ramping it up just a little bit. A bit. A little bit. <laughs> hey, it was the 60s. Everybody was doing drugs. Just not typically synthetic forms of dopamine. Fair. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Uh, so it ends up working. And Leonard, De Niro's character, ends up coming out of his catatonic state, which is sort of a hard thing to unpack unto itself because he literally like went out as a 12-year-old boy and he woke up as a what 40 year old man at least at least least, yeah like i mean talk about he he got the tremors what in 1929 or something like that yeah Yeah. that was like 1967 or something like that Mm. later yeah so good chunk of time passed yeah i mean i just cannot imagine two world wars happening (laughs) and that kid's I think I think we can fast forward a little bit here um, because the the next several scenes are about him acclimating to his new world and everything is fresh and he's very innocent and um, you know he's he's excited. Other patients are also given the drug after the success that that's shown with Leonard. The other patients are, are given it and they they also kind of come out of it and there's this awakening awakenings. There we go. Yeah. Uh, hey. Hey. Oh, that's a totally movie watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at, Mark. <laughs> at this point, everything is innocent and everything is fun. Um, but then it, it turns a little bit. Leonard is basically, even though he, he was the first character to get administered this drug as a result, he was sort of the stand in for all of the characters experiences with basically waking up after, you know, what, 20 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, his new view of the world is shown to sort of help illustrate how all of these patients are feeling and, and experiencing. Yep. And I think that the beginning of the, it's not downfall, but when things start to, to take a turn, he develops a, a little, I mean, he's he has the mind of a 12-year-old. He has this little schoolboy school crush mm. on um, this, this woman. Schoolboy um, crush. Who, <laughs> We're still in October. Her, her father at the hospital. Um, and it starts off with him just kind of like noticing her. And then he kind of follows a little bit. And he says, hey, are you, are you following me? And they start talking. And he's he's clearly infatuated with her, and 
Uh, it causes a little bit of a rift with his mother because clearly his mother's been around his whole life and has taken care of him, and now here's this mm-hmm. other woman. That that shtick plays out. We've we've seen that before. Mom, we're gonna take you up to the attic. Yep. Um, mm. But it it starts not too psychopathic. Yeah, there, there's there's none of that element to it. Um, <laughs> you know what this is sort of reminiscent of a little bit is uh, well, I was gonna say Jack. But I think there's actually a couple of movies that sort of get in this vein where it's like, basically, he was a 12-year-old kid and he gets thrown into the body of a, what, 45, 50-year-old man? And Mm. all of a sudden, he's got feelings, emotions, hormones, chemicals in his brain Mm. that he doesn't fully understand and he hasn't had a lifetime's worth of experience Mm. with. And, you know, all of a sudden, he just notices girls. Mm -hmm. Girls are just suddenly there. It's not yeah, played right. to a comedic effect, like it. No, no, and big. and not and not creepy. I think I think the way I just phrased it maybe made it sound creepy. Not like that at all. No. But they really sort of illustrate the point that this person is experiencing something that you just couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, you really can't imagine the difference in mentality between the time you were twelve and the mm-hmm. time you're forty. Just just not being there, all of the lessons that you've learned, all of the experiences that you've had, mm-hmm. all of the brain development that goes along with like putting the brakes on your own understanding and perception. Yeah. Uh, just suddenly not being present in, in a human being like this person had an absolute mountain to wrestle with with respect to their own body and their own mind. Yeah. So now I, now I do want to again, uh, I, I hate to compare movies. At this uh, stage of the podcast, but it feels like Awakenings is really ripping off uh, Lorenzo's oils. Uh, it's an amazing movie um, covering a very similar case uh, where there was a canatonic um, clients dealing with Lou Gehrig's disease. And they... Was it Lou Gehrig? I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, adrenal leukodystrophy. It was ALD. Is that... Oh, I could be, I be, I could be mistaken. I thought it was Lou Gehrig's disease, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I don't actually know this. the scientific name we actually of Lou Gehrig's disease, this on so the that could be too. ALD. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, that is actually a spectacular movie. Yes. And you're right. I had the same, uh, the same thought. It's it's very similar in a lot of ways yes. to Lorenzo Zoyo. So if you have seen that, uh, yes, the parallels are striking striking like striking the uh and they're both and they're both true stories yes both like, uh, based which off is of pretty true, amazing um events but i feel like that one's a little bit better than awakenings i'm sorry so i feel like awakenings is just riding on the coattails of that i don't know which one came out first so um i don't have it in front of me but to that uh, to that degree of the historical Based on a true story, I element. think Lorenzo's oil was a little bit later. I want to say that was mid nineties, maybe ninety one um, instead of ninety. But I don't know. I I think they're different enough to where they they both sort of have their um their merits. Um, but they are very similar the very, in, in yeah, sort the of the, very their content area. The, so actually, I would the, honestly the pers- personally, I would say if you like Lorenzo's oil, I think this is actually a movie to check out if you haven't. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say I would say watch Awakenings first if you haven't watched Lorenzo's Oil because yeah it didn't do it for me. Well, if I do ever see Lorenzo's Oils, then uh, <laughs> it certainly will be after I've seen Awakenings. <laughs> um, so, c- continuing a little bit here, he he develops this crush and it kind of opens his eyes to the wider world out there, 
and he starts looking outside and he gets this in his head that he wants to go for a walk you know it's, mm. it's a really simple request it's a simple desire and, but i've seen this clip on youtube actually and he he just wants to go on a walk you know and when he's trying to explain himself to the doctors he's like i you know they say for what purpose for what purpose would you go on this walk he's like, well i just i want to go outside and i want to decide if i'm going to go this way or if i'm going to go that way and i you know i just i just want to go for a walk um and he they, they deny that request and he is bound and determined. He does. He just beelines it for the door, and they have to restrain him and pull him back. And he's 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 uh, very upset about it. And I think that from that point on, he starts declining again. He starts becoming bitter and upset. And I think it, it it's understandable. You're again buzzword awoken out of <laughs> uh, out of this catatonic state for you know thirty plus years. And you're not even allowed to go on a walk. You know, he, he makes the comment, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a danger to myself or anyone around me. I just want to go for a walk. And once he's he's denied that and he's restrained from doing that, um, he becomes bitter at the hospital. It's a tone shift for sure. Mm-hmm. And he also becomes like sort of border, yeah. borderline paranoid. And I think one of the sort of like beautiful lines that this movie rides is it's very unsure. Like, it doesn't come down on a side of whether or not that paranoia was driven by the drug, fucking with his brain chemistry, basically. Right. Uh, or if it's because he's a perfectly reasonable person who's locked up in a place that he can't get out of, which would make anybody paranoid and anybody angry and, and fitful. So it sort of rides this line for a while, and he eventually kind of submits and is like, all right, he, he doesn't submit that he was crazy or manic but he does he does admit like i'm having tremors again they're well, getting worse well hang on i think i think we jumped a little bit too too much he he goes through this this bitter phase and along with that coupled with that 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 phase of, of bitterness and, and anger is a return of the of the tremors you know that mm-hmm. seems to be tied um i don't i don't know if it was intentionally if it was coincidental or or maybe you know one one was was the cause of the other um either way i thought it was the effectiveness of the medication yeah you know that's what i thought but like it was not a a, a miracle uh drug that we we were hoping for yeah there's a scene where he's talking to some of the other patients uh that that aren't that aren't a part of the same ward that he is they are just um uh, they have the like, schizophrenic they're they're mm-hmm. they're paranoid and he's he's feeding that paranoia he's he's clearly angry you know he's almost taken on this weird sort of like masonic you know persona where he's mm-hmm. he's preaching to them and they're they're yeah. soaking it up and and all the while he has his his tremors and he's he's shaking and he's he's twitching and you can tell that like this this beautiful flower that um that that bloomed you know four five six scenes prior is wilting and it's it's right. sad to watch because you know you see him push um uh robin williams character away you see him criticize him and it's like robin williams has has wanted nothing but to to help and 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 grow this flower and now it's spitting in his face and not only that but it's wilting and it's not allowing him Leonard isn't allowing him to care for him in the same way. So he has to, to both bear the weight of being criticized and watching his 
his man this isn't the right word for it but his baby you know his yeah. work his friend you know succumb to this illness and that's a that's an interesting like point about like what you would call leonard's relationship to robin williams character because it really is a very uncomfortable mix of all of those things and they do dissect that a little bit in one of the scenes with the nurse where there's sort of some romantic tension with robin williams characters they're sort of discussing leonard and yeah it, it is sort of this odd mix of he is his work he is his um his greatest accomplishment but at the same time he's his friend he's a human being he's a good person and like all of these things are sort of stewing together and watching this happen the the difficulty that he sort of faces is like through what lens should i watch this happen mm-hmm. and in what way should i respond yeah yeah. And and it's it's a very challenging uh series of scenes to watch sort of this decline. Uh, but ultimately leads to to Leonard's revelation that he is getting worse. Yeah, I think he's I think not responding to the medication anymore and he needs um Leonard hits like a rock bottom. It happens mm-hmm. really quickly and that, yeah. that could be a criticism with the pacing because he goes from that like that that angry bitter, you know, you know, person to immediately a rock bottom and he tries to it's abrupt yeah he tries to like kind of repent for it sort of by um sharing his um his struggles with the other patients who have also gone through the same treatment but you know he's further along and he wants to it it goes from him being like bitter and angry at the hospital to him trying to um you know share what little wisdom he has with the people around him um, and it, it's it's powerful. It's moving. It's important. The pacing wasn't quite there. It felt kind of jarring when they did it. But I I could see what they were going for. I feel like if that's uh, if anything that might have actually been like an editing thing. It felt like an editing thing. Like they cut out a couple scenes that like didn't serve any purpose other than to sort of wind that tension down. You know, and they're like, we don't need these scenes because blah, 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 blah. And then they cut them out and then it's abrupt. Um, but they wanted that two minute, uh, two hour runtime. So yeah. they, they, they cut it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's, yeah. So Tim, yeah, I, I know yeah. you had a lot of problems with the, the second bit of this movie. And this no, is very but, much a part of that. Like, I'm very glad that you brought up uh, Leonard's uh, descent because I feel like that was one of the few notes that they hit correctly. Um, is he's losing more and more of himself as as the progression of the drugs go on, as the progression of the film goes on, uh, uh, the narrative goes on that we see. He can't even establish his own name. In the first act, we see him boldly describe himself Leonard Park Bench. Clear, bold words uh, carved in the bench. At the end of the movie, he can't even pen out more than two letters. Oh, I didn't appreciate that. You didn't uh, appreciate that, that time oh, back. You know, that's, that's, that's that's good. I'm glad you pulled that out. I, <laughs> See, I, that's one of the things I liked about the the third act is uh, is that the fact that Leonard um, was trying to identify himself still to the end. So that's uh, a tip of the cap to De Niro, but uh, you know, a wag of the f- uh, finger to the rest of the movie in the third act, where it was just so encapsulated with everything else in itself. <laughs> it's like what the fuck? You, you should be focused on Leonard right now. But you're not. You're focusing on Williams. And he's just like, oh no, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. 
because Leonard is your focus. He's sh- he was the focus from scene one. He should be focused from scene zero, uh, from one to to one to one hundred. I okay. I, I have what a the question. fuck. <laughs> I do have a question for you, Tim. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it if I'm understanding you correctly, um, you're a little disappointed with how they didn't focus on Leonard and they spent more time with Robin Williams and his kind of budding like love interest and his kind of exploration of himself. Yeah. Um, they they what, they made a mental health movie. Where they just once again subjugate the mental health victim. But I think the argument once again the argument could be again made. again of Robin Williams' movie surprisingly a vehicle for just abusing mental health victims. Um, this happened here um, with you know Awakening and it happened in Patch Adams. Now, okay, I think abuse is maybe maybe a strong word. It's to glorification of the. I industry. don't think they glorified it at all. I think they totally did. It it looked terrible and severe, and it looked like something that people were really suffering from. They made it, they punched it up with a glorified beautiful cast in both of those movies. I mean, what like what do you want them to do? Cast ugly bad actors to no, like I want them... that it's like No, a... I'm not saying well, no, <laughs> hang on. No, I'm not saying visually ugly. I'm just saying they made a Everyone... like two psychology you know what? based movies. That's fair. Where Robin Williams is the Jesus, the the protagonist of the uh, of the story where they don't resolve anything so and it's actually much worse much worse in real life would you argue this is almost like a sister act where all of the players all of the sisters you know or the patients for awakenings they all had their own little unique personalities and they were all likable in their own way was was the fact that everyone had this like funny quirk to them is that kind of what you're you're trying to get at with the criticism or am i missing missing the you're missing the point because the the my criticism is the fact that they're underplaying the heavier tones because they are just brushing over the fact like oh we're we're fine because we're doing awakenings they're awake now it's fine never mind the trauma never mind what put them in that state never mind what happens afterwards now they, they never mind at it a little bit a little bit they tipped the iceberg but never mind what happens 30 years later fuck that yeah now, because it's robin williams and robert de Niro. give I mean, him an oscar I mean, but you can't have a movie of like 30 years of like people being catatonic especially when like they never come out of it which unfortunately is the the end of this movie but it is a pretty incredible story about a medical researcher who was able to basically pull people out of uh-huh. what was what was essentially like a, a chemical brain death uh-huh. um and they were able to experience the world again and he was able to do this like yeah. several times throughout uh, the mid part of the 20th century i'd, I'd which like is to a, see their story a, instead of robin williams so okay. but he's the common thread that allowed all Fair. of these people to sort of come out and i think like good the, Be- best the, supporting actor instead of instead of but who would you make the the main actor robert de niro have him actually do fucking something but he's like he does a lot in this movie and he's like catatonic through like most exactly. of his he's, life exactly he's catatonic for two-thirds of this movie so why do i care 
But that's like what happened to the guy. <laughs> like that's that's what happened. So to why the are we focusing just on that guy, that portion of his life, that one third of his life, instead of? Because that's the part that he was awake. That's why the movie's called Awakening. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because okay. he was awakened for his childhood. I... We could have seen his childhood, and then we, we could have seen see the struggle. Childhood. Yeah, for five fucking minutes. Give how, me thirty minutes of that, and how then much give character me development give can me you thirty get minutes in the childhood. I don't know Harry Potter, and you tell me. So you would prefer if this was more of like a character study? That I would kind prefer of focused more on Robert De Niro and the, absolutely. The I thought that was going to be a Robert when I saw Awakenings. I thought like, oh sweet. Robert De Niro is going to portray this character who has gone through this awakening, who is trapped in this man's body, and Robert and Robert William, uh, excuse me, Robin Williams, is going to help him coax him out and like, like help him like in a Goodwill Hunting situation. That's what I went. That's what I was expecting going into this because I've never seen this movie before. And it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> You have very strong opinions. So you sir. had an expectation that wasn't met about who would be the lead in the movie. Got it. About the two <laughs> people who have equal billing in the movie. You're right. I had I had such a bullshit opinion from the Oscar winner versus the comedic guy who was a genie in Aladdin's lamp pulling his dick out. Okay, you <laughs> cannot right. be knocking Robin Williams in this in this podcast. I, I love Robin that, Williams. That... He is my... Con- <laughs> I love him, and I miss him so much. But God... Damn it! If what? I wasn't gonna, if I wasn't disappointed that if this wasn't just no, this was just a soft boil of Patch Adams. I think that we are striking at a nerve. Yeah, there. it 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 sounds like <laughs> it's a soft boil of Patch Adams. Can you guys deny that? Yes, absolutely. Bo- <laughs> it's a soft boil of, pot, uh, of Patch Adams. It, Go it, ahead. It sounds. Go like ahead. You're... Talk me through. Talk me through the notes of Patch Adams. Go ahead. It, it sounds like you're looking for reasons to hate this film. No. Like, you don't actually have much, but you're, you're really struggling I to really, hate this film. I really didn't know this movie going in. So tell me, what was I to expect? Uh, in the early 90s of Robin Williams before Patch Adams. And I have seen Patch Adams, so I didn't know that this was a self-boil precursor to that movie. You know what? I I will agree that there are a lot of common threads in Patch Adams and this movie. I I don't think that it is a... I would not endorse that it is a soft-boiled Patch Adams. You're wrong. But I will say... (laughs) You know what? That that leads into a fantastic quote that I think that we should potentially move into here. Let's get into it. Um, I think we can quickly wrap up the end of this movie in that um, De Niro's character kind of succumbs back to the illness, and eventually so do the other patients... Um, and I think the, the... Just like how Patch Adams doesn't save anybody at the end of the movie. Oops. That's that's fair. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I think the message... The girlfriend dies, by the way. (laughs) At the end of the movie, the, um, the, the message is we need to embrace the, the human side of ourselves and, you know, it does get a little fluffy there. Um, I think in a good way, though. I think, like, he had... So Robin Williams had this sort of awkward, tense relationship with this nurse, and they both clearly, like, enjoyed each other's company and liked each other, but Robin Williams was really awkward, really sort of 
uh, inside his own head, and the nurse was not particularly, like, I, I mean, it's, it was the 1960s, like, it was probably still a time where guys need to ask girls out, and it, the the way it's framed in the movie is that some of the strong words that De Niro speaks when he's still lucid uh, is basically like people are taking their lives for granted, like they're not they're not living their lives. You know, he's like holding up a newspaper and he's like, "Look, it's all negative. Everything's negative. People are basically being fed fear, and they need to be enjoying what they're doing." And it's sort of with that message that Robin Williams, in the end, uh, decides to ask the nurse out for you know a cup of coffee, and I think it I think it lands well. Yeah. Um. I was I was okay with the ending. I felt like it was a little it was a little fluffier than well I don't know it it wrapped it up well enough for the for the narrative you know um, like like we've covered several times so far tonight you know this this isn't meant to be um, a realistic interpretation of what it's like to go through what these people went through. This is very much an artistic movie that that has a narrative. It has beats. It's it's it's. It is meant for entertainment. It's not a character study. It's not meant to be gritty. And with I that, mean, even if you wanted to, you couldn't do that in two hours. Yeah, yeah. So with with that in mind, I was okay with the way that they had wrapped it up because you know that that's how the cars were 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 played out. That was the only play to be had once you know we'd gotten to the end of the movie, and and th- those were the cards that they had. And it, it's it's fair that they played them because you know, you've got to wrap up a narrative, and it's you know. I was I was fine with with the ending there. Um, are we are we able to to want to move into to quotes here real quick or rapid fire those? Yeah, I did want to make two quick notes that uh, I thought the movie was casted wonderfully. Like Leonard as a kid, basically the kid the kid who was supposed to be playing Robert De Niro was just absolutely oh, just gosh, amazingly I'm, cast. Oh gosh, I was blown um, away by like the first five minutes. It's like holy shit, that looks like actually a young Robert De Niro. Also, oh the the score was amazingly compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a, a it really led you around, and um, it actually bled pretty seamlessly into a lot of the scenes. There was um, two scenes where the score was sort of happening, and I was very I was taking notice of it, and I noticed like there's actually somebody playing the piano in the background, and I basically don't know if the music is supposed to be coming from the piano in the scene or just as sort of like ambient sound it's it's a really like well scored film uh but yeah no i'm definitely down to to transition to quotes what do you guys got yep um what do you got tim i'm <laughs> fire back at the uh piano scene because again i felt that was just so heavy-handed at the end of the movie again i i love the first third of this movie but God damn it, if the two-thirds don't piss me off. And that piano scene is in the last third. Is It's one of the last scenes. Wait, what's wrong with the piano scene? Uh, it's just so heavy-handed, in my opinion. I mean, I feel like well, it's just that's like par for the course for like a, a drama in the 1990s. Like. It's just over. It's just, ah, maybe, maybe that's the 90 movie style coming out, but god damn, if it's not stupid in my head. I mean, I feel like that's that's the like the same logic that like looking back on like a film in the '40s and being like, nobody in the Midwest spoke like that with that Mid Atlantic accent that doesn't actually exist anywhere in the world. It's like, yeah, but that's the way films were made, and it was sort of like it was sort of the zeitgeist. No, if they was, was, if they actually spoke like that in the '40s, then yeah, no, that's fine. But they, nobody fucking played piano in the '90s. 
Go not home only, and lick the cat's butt. That's the quote. Not Mark. only does this quote from Wayne's World by the way beautifully capture his character at the beginning of the movie, but it also captures the the dynamic of this particular podcast. Uh, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you were right, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think that you know that in the context of the movie. Um, perfectly illustrates mm-hmm. how Robin Williams' character uh, was not willing to give up a single inch and had his opinions and didn't really care what the opinions of the other people were. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Um, and, and I'm proud of you, Mark, because that is from the first third of the movie, the only third of the movie that matters. Well, that is that is a fantastic example <laughs> of uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, do you have a quote, though, sir? I do. It's also from the first third of the movie. It's, um, I, kn- I know that that's accurate because I proved it. Yeah, I think that kind of hits it like some of the same chords. That, uh, same chords uh, that Robin Williams' character hit. Yeah, he, he clearly viewed himself as being better than his, you know, contemporaries. Mm-hmm. What kind of quotes you got, Mr. Colin? Yeah, so I got uh, two here. I got, Just seven um, quotes from Colin. Hang on. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or two, which is the number that I, I said. So the first one I've got is uh, an exchange between Robin Williams and uh, Max von Sydow's characters. Max von Sydow says, we know the virus didn't spare any any of their higher functions. Robin Williams says, uh, and you know this for a fact. And Max von Sydow says, yes. And Robin Williams responds with, because. And his response is, because the alternative is the unthinkable, basically illustrating the point that um, it is unthinkable that these people have basically been in a prison of their own mind for decades. An absolutely just devastating thought. The other one I have is one of Robin Williams' quotes that's basically, he says, you would think that after a while of all of these atypical symptoms, uh, something would stand out as an typical something. What he was trying to say is basically like all of these cases had been recorded as atypical something atypical schizophrenia atypical mania and where we've landed is basically like all of these people are suffering from the same thing and you're you're calling it 50 different things is basically leading us astray and um i'm here to sort of connect the dots so uh do we want to move on to ratings this will be fun (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm going to give this movie a, um, a, a 7.3 catatonic De Niro's. Yeah. 7, 7.3 catatonic De Niro's. Um, what high number should we expect from you, Mr. Tim? <laughs> Super high number. So many high numbers. 15.5. Wait, no. No. Oh, wait, hang on. Out of 10. We're, out of 10. Okay, oh, out of 10. Okay. Well, then I got to do metric. Hang on. Uh, imperial uh, scale. Hang on. Uh, oh, and we got... Uh, oh, my gosh. You got to account for the, the change yeah. in the Earth's magnetic... For the, uh, for the beardage of the Williams. Yeah, for the Williams beardage. I'm going to give it 5.5 trusted lucky baseballs thrown at canatonic patients out of 10 so 5.5 trusty baseballs see that's higher that's than that's 1408 over that is over 50 percent, folks boom wow unexpected i um, know right what do we got mr colin yeah i think i'm gonna have to give this a 7.7 milligrams of l-dopa 7.7 7.7 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a f- 
fiery debate here uh, on three men in a basement. Um, How many Oscars did they they they, uh, did they uh, snob off of? By the way, the uh, the I don't know. I was De Niro, I so was, good. I was two so years good. old. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't watching yeah. as many Oscars. Uh, yeah. Or Academy Awards, I think that's what it's, yeah. it's called. Uh, take us out. All right, well, that is all for the All Crap Review. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas for movie reviews, email us at 3, that's the number 3, meninabasement at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts. And until then, I'm Colin McLeod. Mark Alpierre. Timothy Magic. Peace.